<laughs> uh, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Before the Tones Drop podcast. We have another exciting guest today, Chief Daryl Jones from the Pittsburgh Fire Department. Chief, thanks for taking time to sit down with us today. No, thank you for your hospitality, guys. My pleasure. You've been in Sioux City teaching high-rise uh, incident command class all week, yes, that's incident correct? Yes, incident command at high-rise operations. Uh, just finished that class up today. It was a great class, great group of students in the class, a lot of feedback. I think we had a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, where, how, what do you think of Sioux City so far? Where they, where uh, they, where they I, put you up first? I really do enjoy this city. I really do. Uh, I could tell that we're close to the farm area because I can smell. <laughs> the, Smells uh, like money. That's the smell of money there, fertilizing Chief. everything. Yep. But, smell of money. Uh, it is. That's what they said. It's the smell of money. Yep. I kind of believe it. Too, <laughs> you know? uh, it was. Uh, it's great. I'm staying at the Warrior. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So they took it. Yeah. Newly yeah. refurbished. Yep. And it's a beautiful hotel. And uh, everyone's been very hospitable. And I'm, I've enjoyed myself. Good. Eating good food. Oh, her. definitely, because uh, I've been eating at your firehouses for a couple of nights. So. <laughs> yeah, you got one more tonight, too. Yeah, one more We're tonight. We're going to treat you to that one, too. You won't have yes, a sir. bad meal at a firehouse. Uh, born and raised in Pittsburgh? Uh, actually, a small town outside Pittsburgh called Aliquippa. Okay. If you are an NFL football fan, then uh, Aliquippa, you've probably heard of uh, Mike Dicka, Tony Dorsett, Ty Law, Darrell Rivas. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all from my little five square mile town. Wow. We put out that we have more uh, NFL Hall of Famers out of Aliquippa High School than any other high school in the country. That's pretty cool. And since I didn't get any of that talent, became a firefighter. No one ever uh, confused me with an athlete. Uh, I have to throw water on fire for a living. <laughs> that sounds good. You big Pittsburgh sports fan? Steelers, yes, I am. Penguins. Yes. Penguins, Pirates, Steelers, uh, yeah. It's, it's sometimes painful to be a Pittsburgh sports fan. Well, but you got like three Stanley Cups, two Super Bowls in like the last uh, 20 years. Yeah, well, if you would have seen the beating they got, the Steelers got from the Cardinals last week. Oh, man, week. that's a yeah, tough that's, one. Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. You would, <laughs> that's a tough yeah, one. You, Cardinals aren't very good. No, no. And then they play uh, the Patriots tomorrow night. And I'm not so confident they're going to do very well against them either. Yeah, they so. can't score a touchdown, though. Yeah, well, well Pittsburgh. obviously <laughs> we can't score enough of them either. So. Yeah, yeah. Big big hockey fan then, too? No, I, I do uh, follow it. I uh, watch the game. I cheer for them, but I don't understand. No, it's just not so. Because I was going to ask you, Mar- Mario Lemieux or Yamir Yager as far as. Oh, definitely Lemieux. Yeah. Lemieux. What about Lemieux or Crosby? Because uh, oh, Lemieux Crosby, is, you know, oh, yeah. still Crosby. invested in the I don't city, like that Crosby guy. And uh, he. <laughs> He was just a great player, mm-hmm. and I love some of his moves that he had. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. So, where'd you go to high school? Are you so you just told us where you went to high school, and I was just outside of Pittsburgh, and then graduated. Well, no, actually, I didn't graduate from Aliquippa High School. I, okay, my parents uh, got tired of me getting in fights and stuff, so they pulled <laughs> me out of Aliquippa, and I, I graduated from a school that's not longer there anymore. It's uh, Quickly Catholic High School, and it closed a few years back. So. Okay. Kind of town fading away a little bit? or Well, yeah, well, it's a solid steel town. Uh, we yeah. had, at one point in time, the largest steel mill in the world. It was one of only two or three steel mills in the world where you can start off with a raw product like iron ore and coke and limestone and, and end up at the end with pipe and nails wow. and wire. Man. Uh, the mill by itself took up a several square miles. Yeah. Uh, you, know, city. you know where that iron ore comes from. So that's up my neck of the woods. So Mintac, 
largest iron ore taconite plant in the in the country. U.S. Steel owns that at one time. That's just uh, Mountain Iron, Minnesota. So I'm from Virginia, Minnesota. Mountain Iron's just throwing throws away. So that that yeah. iron ore get mined up there, uh, brought down, railed down to Duluth. Uh, to, well, uh, mine there, turn in taconite pellets, load on rail down to Duluth, down to the uh, shipping yards, uh, get load on the the freighters and stuff, and the the um, for the on the Great Lakes and stuff, and yeah. mm-hmm. steel mills yeah. in Ohio and Pittsburgh and everything mm-hmm. from there. So there you go. Yeah. So it yep. sounds right to your the right to your steel mill and yeah, it yep. was, it, it was Jones up. and Lachlan Steel was the one there. Uh, I believe in their heyday, they employed like close to twenty thousand people, wow. or something like that. Was it a tough town growing up in? Uh, it was, but it was also good. It was sure. like it was different. Uh, it wasn't like rampant crime or anything like that. It was tough. Because you had to work hard. The people were mm-hmm. tough, and right? That, and okay. the people were tough. Blue uh, Big blue then when the steel yeah. mill crashed and everything kind of went belly up from there, that's when things start sure. really going downhill. And the town is trying to come back now. So we're looking like, what, 40 years in and it's oh, trying yeah. to bounce. I say, what what, what time period was this? Uh, this the, the steel mills crashed probably mid 80s, mm-hmm. early 80s, okay. 82, 83. And then you're so you said you like to get in fights. You like to get in fights. Well, you so got you in fights, so you're like, uh-uh. like, well, I'll join the Marine Corps. Yeah, so that, <laughs> that's a that great was, place. Uh, now that wasn't planned. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> so I was. It's a long story. Actually, I started off. I got out of high school, and I was supposed to go to the University of Pittsburgh, and I was working in the steel mill. For the summer mm-hmm. and 18 i'm making money hand over fist yeah. i had a nice clean job relatively safe job compared to the other ones in the mill and i'm having a blast huh? and so i come home one day and my dad's sitting there reading the paper and he goes shouldn't you be getting ready to go to school i say no dad i don't think i'm gonna go to school i think i'm gonna stay down in the mill because I had already picked out the black and gold Trans Am with the <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, 78 Trans Am. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to live life. <laughs> yeah. you know? And my dad's sitting there, he's reading the paper, and he never flinched, never said a word. I kept going. Next day, I get reassigned from my job in the mill to the labor gang. Now, guys, the labor gang was hard work. The labor gang is sep- where they separated the weak from the strong after the boys went home. Okay? <laughs> so I know my dad had something to do with this, and I'm going to show him I'm a man and I can handle it, and I don't care what he does. I'm getting my black trans. <laughs> I lasted 16 hours. <laughs> Two days. I come home. I said, I think I'm going to school. That paper never moved. So. <laughs> Did your, uh, did your dad work it? Was he in the was yeah, he, he was working a mormon in the mill? Yeah. So okay, he had some a little oh, yeah, bit yeah. of a little <laughs> happen. Yeah. He's sitting there thinking, man, he's got it all figured out. Yeah, watch yeah. this. Watch was, this. Full the was, plug on that. Was that him wanting you to go to school because he didn't because he, he didn't want you working in the mill? Yes, he wanted you to do something else. Always yeah. wanted me to do something else. Yeah. Then I went to school and uh I was invited to leave. Uh <laughs> Okay. So I come home and my parents was like, well, you better find something to do. You're not going to be here doing nothing. So the Marine Corps was the next move. Uh, I did a total of eight years active in reserve in the Marine okay. Corps. And uh, when I got out, I ended up getting a job as a security guard at a nuclear power station, which was 
like one of the worst jobs okay. ever. <laughs> um, I would sit there and watch a section of fence where the alarm wasn't working. And I had a nightstick, a small little can of mace like you might keep on your keychain, mm -hmm. a radio, and post orders, which was a three-ring binder with a couple sheets of paper in it. That's what they gave you? That was what they gave me. I had to use that as a shield. So, yeah. Yeah. so my job wacky was this. to be the alarm. <laughs> I'm supposed to scream in that radio before the terrorists kill me. They're like, right? okay, we know there's they're a problem here, over here. there now. <laughs> yeah, I am thinking there is, uh, yeah, and they knew that wherever somebody was posted out there, that that's a dead zone. Get rid of him, we get access to the plant. So, wow. It didn't take much for me to figure out that I'm worth a little more than that. And uh, the Aliquippa Fire Department was hiring, and I took the test and I got on with them. What would well, your, your I'm sorry. No, would your parents have to say about you doing my the Marine Corps? My dad didn't say too much. Uh, my mom thought I was nuts. Okay. Uh, she really, well, first go to the Marine Corps. She thought I was yeah. nuts, and then uh, my dad. When I joined the fire department, got it. She really thought I was crazy. <laughs> So I come home uh, from the Marine Corps, and I'm looking for a job, and uh, I don't really have a civilian skill set, sure. right? Mm -hmm. But I go get me a resume, and at the time, my dad had a print shop. And so I went down there and made some copies of my resume. Uh, there was a couple scrap pieces, and I just left them there. So he comes home. I'm staying with them at the time, and it's me, him, and my brother, and my mother, and uh, we're eating dinner, and he reaches in his shirt pocket, and he pulls out part of my resume and throws it down on the table. He says, is this yours? And I turn around and look at it. I go, yeah, that's that's mine. I, who are you? You know, because what, what, what's this thing that you what did you do while you were in there you know and I, well, hey, we were infantry for a while yeah. and I became a military policeman and he said I, I don't know you <laughs> so uh, we we had those father-son discussions mm -hmm. all the time and uh, he was a great man very smart a great dad and uh, gave me a lot of good advice but so after that, I joined the fire department. They really thought I was nuts. And, uh, yeah. Were they right? Oh, I was always nuts. <laughs> that goes with the territory. Right. I, don't, I think you part of that was their right? fault, right? So, I mean, you know, acorn don't fall too far away from the tree. So anytime in the Marines and stuff, steel did, did, the, did the Trans Am ever happen? No. Never happened. Uh, the closest I got was I had a 1987 Firebird. Okay. All black, but it was just a regular Firebird with yeah. a V6 engine, no trans, no V8, no turbochargers, none of that stuff. Because at that age, the insurance <laughs> oh, was astronomical. Yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. So I never did get that part. So, so okay. what, <laughs> still on my bucket still list. Still on the bucket list. Eh? What uh, what drew you to the fire department? Was it just adding the paper? Or yes. Uh, yep. My dad knew I hated the job that I had, mm -hmm. and he. You know, he says, hey, uh, called me up one day and said, uh, there is a uh, fire department is going is testing. I said, oh, great. I'll go down. And so I signed up to take the test. And I had my veterans points and everything. Mm -hmm. and, uh, sure. 
So I got on, and I did not understand completely what it meant to be a firefighter. Uh, I still wanted to finish school. After going through the Marine Corps, I matured a lot. I needed to finish school. I was unfinished business in my mind. So I, uh, I said, hey, I'll be a firefighter. They don't do nothing but sit around the station. <laughs> play cards, day, right? right? Yeah. Play cards and yeah. checkers. And That's while right. they're doing that, I could be studying. And every once in a while, I get the chance to drive the truck real fast. How cool is that? <laughs> How cool yeah. is that? Right. Huh? So, the coolest job I ever. So, yeah, I, I uh, got on full-time. I was on full-time for two months. My first day as a full-timer was August the 7th, 1987. On October the 10th, 1987, I responded to a structural fire with entrapment and lost three kids in that fire. Wow. And so that was the aha moment for me that, uh, okay, look, here's a town, a poor town, Mm -hmm. that cannot afford to have a career fire department and yet cannot afford not to because of the fire load and things. And here they're paying me their very hard-earned money, and I'm not getting it done. Can't let that happen. So uh, from that point forward, I kind of dedicated myself to training uh, and education. The beautiful beautiful part about Aliquippa was uh, I had a lab. No matter what I read or studied about the fire service, sooner or later, I was going to get an after, a chance yeah. to apply yeah. it. Apply it, yeah. And some of it was real and some of it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I learned those lessons. But uh, I did eventually uh, complete my bachelor's degree and then went on for my master's. And uh, after I moved to the city of Pittsburgh, I completed my Ph.D. in uh, public safety and my specialty is emergency management now. So... Um, my education and my reasons for uh, doing what I do changed mm-hmm, over sure. time. Yeah. You know, like I said, initially I need a job. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, then I got to be good at this because people are dependent on me, and I've lost so many children in fires. Mm. You know, and so my reason for doing this changed to we got to stop these child deaths and fires and the uh, uh the outcome with that you know a lot of guys well you you mean you like fire prevention yeah i do and oh well that's because you can't fight a fire no i can uh, i was on a two-man engine crew yeah don't I, tell me about not fighting driver, fire right? yeah the driver when i started i had a captain we didn't have hand radios uh, the two-in, two-out rule was if two of you go in, two of you better come out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would get off the rig, charge my captain's hand line when he made the attack. I would find a water source, ladder the building, stretch my hand line, charge it, and then make an attack. And if you got your butt in the crack, you better figure it out because there was no right. maydays. There was oh, nothing no. like that. So, And as I tell everybody, it was not perfect it was not right i'm not gonna justify it i'm just saying that it was what it was and so did what he had to do yeah those are the cards we were dealt and that's what we played but i still believe that uh prevention is better than cure so Mm -hmm. i have a soft spot for fire prevention and community risk reduction and uh i do everything i can to uh try to make that happen so 
I've worked to with you know public education, smoke detector programs, uh, anything that I can to try to bring down those numbers. Yeah. So how busy was it with your your first firefighter job? Uh, we were day? probably the busiest ones in the county. Like I said, we had a lot of fire load. We did not do EMS at that time. Okay. Uh, we did vehicle rescue and fire response, and uh, yeah, we did a lot with a little bit of research. Is that fire load just so? Is that uh, indicative of of I, I guess basically the time? Because you know you saw that with Detroit, you know when uh, when the auto yeah. industry crashed I think every and stuff city like went yeah, its like own. so those big cities where you know and and at times where economic downturn that you know you see a lot of uh, layoffs and poverty and stuff, and it seems like that. People leave their homes then and stuff, and a lot more abandoned structures or whatever. For some reason, that seems to fuel a lot, a lot more fires versus you know. And, yeah, and, you know. well, Aliquippa was built by the steel mill, okay, and you were housed in Aliquippa according to your position in the mill. So your uh, ethnicity or race or anything didn't have anything to do with it. If you was a laborer, you lived in one section of town. We called it Plan Eleven, Plan Eleven Extension. It was also the section I grew up in. All the houses were two and a half story wood frame balloon construction. And at the time that the houses were built, there was one outlet and one light socket <laughs> in every room, 60 amp electric circuit. Man. Knob and two. Knob and two. Yeah. 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 If you live where middle management, you live downtown on Franklin Avenue in that area, the houses were ordinary construction. Somewhat bigger, somewhat better constructed. You know? And if you were upper management, you lived in the area we call Plan 6, and the houses were ordinary construction and large, very large houses. Uh, as the mill gave up that uh, control and people start buying their houses, that's like everybody else. You have pride in you, what you invest in. Mm -hmm. So they were remodeling these houses, but not changing the infrastructure. So we would have uh, the carpeting on the floor, the paneling on the walls. Everything would look beautiful. Then I they would put in what I called the alphabet soup, right? You had the TV, the DVD, the mm -hmm. CD, mm -hmm. and the PC. All of it plugged into one, one outlet, outlet. Yeah, with 60 a 60-amp service yeah. and knob yeah. and tube right. wiring. And so that, that was part of it. Then there was other social factors. Uh, Single mothers leaving children alone, you know, even for a little while, curious kids get into trouble. Uh, very little of it was, uh, though some, there was some there, arson, but it wasn't like that. Uh, most of it was, and just general, what I call stupid human tricks, right? Sure. And we had the cooking fires and the cigarettes burning and stuff. It just, for some odd reason, was just hit us so hard. And... But I, you know, I, I learned a lot in working that way. Uh, but uh, it, it, like I said, it wasn't ideal. So now my focus is on uh, taking care of my family and still heavy focus on community risk reduction and also training yeah. for fire people who want to get into the fire service and those of us who are in the fire service to be successful. At all levels, you're gonna. Uh, if you look at all the problems that we're facing now, uh, cancer presumption, mm -hmm. uh, mental health, 
um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and lack of funding mm -hmm. is probably at the top of the list. Always yeah. that in there. Mm -hmm. uh, retention. Yeah. And recruitment. You know, uh, a lot of the reasons, things that we can do to solve those problems requires good leadership. And there's no uh, gizmo, gadget, do that, that's going to solve these problems for us. There's no app for that. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, we have to change hearts and minds and educate and take the hard way, the hard path on the high road to get it done. And that takes leadership. Absolutely. Are you guys uh, – does Pittsburgh, do you see, and, and, and we got some more questions even about Absolutely, alopecia yeah. and stuff, but um, do you see the retention and the recruiting issues there that we're kind of Not seeing everywhere? Not yet. Not yet. I do see some of them. Uh, the younger group coming in, they don't want to work any overtime, which is very rare. You know, That's the time they, to they, work they, overtime, they, right? These I guys, mean, they, 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 my guys would, they would kill each other for overtime. Yeah. With that money. Yeah. But the younger guys, they want to do their 24 on, and they want their 72 off. So right Man. now I don't have a turnover rate. In the 17 years I've been there, I've had three people leave the job willingly. One guy, his wife hit the Powerball or something like that. Sure. He's like, Peace. I'm out. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, hey, no. take me with you. Yeah. Uh, the second guy started his own business. He yeah. comes in to say goodbye, says, hey, thank you. This was a great opportunity, but I want to do my own thing. And the third guy just left back in April. He uh, got hired with L.A. City Fire Department. And his wow. wife's from L.A., and they oh. wanted to move back okay. that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't have that turn. Now, other departments I know have 10 15% turnover rate. Man, how do you every year? How do you even? So I think that's down the road for me. I can see it okay. coming, but yeah, but not right now. That's not good. Right. That's good. Very deal. good. Um, um, oh yeah, go ahead. Go I got well, yeah. I just it's because East Coast and stuff. So and then just I mean, as far as firefighting goes and stuff. But are you guys so smooth bore or fog nozzle kind of you know, kind of because you know, the East great Coast. Debate. I mean, that's you know East Coast this is kind of you can already board, tell this guy right. He's stuff. Like this guy. I, no, I'm just curious, you know, because we're a Midwest area and stuff. Everybody's fog nozzle here. We like that. We Me like that steam conversion. It's I'm all about bore smooth bore. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but uh, make a couple guys happy. Right yeah. about now, if I pulled up on the fire scene and they said, "Chief, you got to mask up and stretch a line." We got some serious problems. <laughs> yeah. Serious problems. So I have 169 guys on duty right now. If they tell me that I got to stretch a line, <laughs> we better be going to church, man. <laughs> <laughs> stuff's getting ready to hit the fan or already has. Right, yeah. uh, smooth boards on the high-rise packs. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, some of my guys, they like the adjustable flow fog nozzles. I try to give them what they want. Mm. Uh, there was a big push against the uh, pistol grip on the nozzles, you know. Hey, mm -hmm. I'm not grabbing one of them. Whatever you guys want, <laughs> sure. I'm going to get you. So yeah. uh, my personal touch taste is uh, smooth bore because uh, in Aliquippa, when you're holding an inch and three-quarter line by yourself, I'd rather wrestle a 60-pound, 50-pound mm -hmm. anaconda than a 100-pound anaconda. So yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, so how, sure. long, how long were you were, were you at the Aliquippa Fire Department? I was there for 20 years, and 12 of those years I was chief. Okay. 
for I'm sorry, you said 20 years and 12 you were chief? Yeah, 12 wow. of that 20 I was chief. How, how big of a department was it? I was one of nine people. <laughs> so were you, you were, so when you weren't chief, you were on the rig, you were, you were in administration prevention role? That no, was all. No, we didn't have that. We didn't no. have enough. Yeah, you were all of that. it. We were all <laughs> you did everything. Yeah, you did, right? you, did you did both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then what, what brought you over to the Pittsburgh Fire Department? So I was, uh, 20 years in at Aliquippa, I was getting a little tired. I had completed a lot of education and training by that time, and uh, I was looking just for something different. And the uh, there's a small community outside Pittsburgh called Mount Lebanon, very affluent community. Their chief had retired, so I applied for their chief's position. And it was an assessment process that I had to go through. And one of the assessors was the chief of the Pittsburgh Fire Department at that time. So once I finished that assessment, he comes up to me and he says, look, you did excellent on this assessment. He says, but in my, he says, my mind, you were number one. He says, but there's no way they're gonna hire you in Mount Lebanon. <laughs> Just being real, right? I, okay, but at least I know I did very well. He says, yeah. I'm gonna be looking for assistant chief. Keep your eyes open. So I was teaching a fire officer one class at one of the volunteer departments, and a kid had his laptop open, and he says, hey, Pittsburgh's looking for an assistant chief. So I walk over, and I look over his shoulder, and I read it, and I says, take a 15-minute break, and I push the guy out of his, the seat. <laughs> I sat down at his laptop, filled out the application, and the rest is history. Now wow. every time I see him, he says, you know you owe me for that job. Right. <laughs> and if it's a bad day, I say, yeah, you're the one that I owe for this <laughs> yeah. job. So, and that's how I ended up getting there. I started in uh, July of 2007 as an assistant chief. Okay. And two months in, uh, they made me the chief. So I went from a nine-man department to a 700-person department in two months' time. Wow. My goodness. Yeah, so what are the responsibilities of a, the assistant chief position at Pittsburgh? So I was the assistant chief in charge of risk reduction, which was perfect for me. Oh, okay. Good. So uh, I was trying to reduce risk not only in the community but also in the, the bureau itself. And one of the things I noticed was I we had a lot of firefighters off on injury. The injuries were ankles, knees, hips, and shoulders. The causes of the injuries was either getting on or getting off the rig. Mm -hmm. And so we attacked that and uh, reduced the injuries substantially by that. And one of the things we did was education, uh, showing everybody the three-point method, stepping off the rig backwards. Some of the engineering we did, we made sure the rigs had all the ground lighting so that you can see if there's sure. any uneven mm -hmm. pavement or anything like that. And uh, we shortened the rigs up by getting rid of the top-mounted pump. Because if I could stop you from having to climb up and down, mm -hmm. then Everything that's less chances of you getting. So, side, so you went to side the side-mounted? Side-mounted, side okay. yeah, yeah. And that shortened our rigs by about three feet, mm -hmm. which is huge in our town. Sure, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Merrill Street. Oh, yeah. And I was looking at uh, the rig over at Station One. I like this is an aircraft carrier. Yeah, compared right? to what you guys yeah, got, eh? That thing yeah. is huge, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> own, thing. And they only keep getting bigger, it seems like. Yeah, if know. I took that to Pittsburgh and said, hey, guys, here's your new rig, <clears throat> excuse me, they'd probably beat, the beat me to death. <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> 
Yeah. That you maybe you uh, get run over by it, but that's. So how'd you manage to spend that only two months in that position, and then go to the chief spot? So that uh, the chief was there's a new mayor in the mayor who uh, originally was there. He died in office. Uh, wow. Uh, mayor O'Connor, he developed cancer hmm. and it killed him in office. So uh, a new mayor was put in. His name was Luke Ravenstall, and at the time he was like in his late twenties, maybe twenty eight, wow. twenty nine. So he wanted the chief to be the uh, director of the Department of Public Safety. So in Pittsburgh, there's the mayor, and then you have these different departments, and the Department of Public Safety included at that time police, fire, EMS, animal control, and uh, the building department. So uh, I'm sitting in my office, happy that I'm an assistant chief in the big city of Pittsburgh. Uh, the fire chief comes in. He says, I need to see you for a second. I said, sure. So I grabbed my little steno pad because I can run the world with some steno pads and post-it notes. That's, that's <laughs> That's the way I work, roll. So I got my steno pad. I got my pen. I'm thinking he's going to give me another assignment. I'm going to knock it out the park because that's what I do. No problem. So I go to his office. He's waiting on me at the door. I'm like, huh, this never happened before. So I go into the office. He closes the door behind me. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what did I do? I'm, I'm, I'm just going through, I'm sweating bullets, right? And I'm thinking, I didn't cuss anybody out. I didn't, don't, no road rage. I'm just really, <laughs> and he starts off the meeting. I'm sitting at his desk, and he's behind the desk, and he goes, you're going to think this is the craziest meeting you ever had. So I relaxed a little bit after that, and I said, well, you haven't seen some of my church meetings, but let's see what you got. <laughs> And he starts off, and he goes, uh, the uh, mayor, as you know, I'm doing two jobs, public safety director and fire chief. I said, yeah. He says, the mayor wants me to be full-time public safety director. I said, okay. He says, I needed to pick a fire chief. So I had two other assistant chiefs. I was one of three. They come up through the system. They One had been there over 30 years. So they've been at the department <coughs> the whole time. Oh, they've been there the whole time, and I'm thinking, He's going to take one. I'm like, oh, no problem. Yeah. I'm their number one cheerleader. I got their back. Whatever they need, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do. And he looks at me. He goes, I told the mayor it was you. And I stared at him just like <laughs> I'm staring at you. <laughs> then I start laughing. <laughs> and something, the little voice says, quit laughing in your boss's face. <laughs> so I stopped He's laughing. laughing. <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, what about? He said, nope, it's you. Wow. And I'm thinking, you know what? If I'm going to mess this up, I'm going to mess it up from that side of the desk. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I'm your guy. He says, okay, uh, the mayor's going to announce this in a couple of days. You keep this to yourself. Okay. I get up. I walk out the office. The other two assistant chiefs are waiting on me. Oh, because they figure I got my butt chewed because mm -hmm. the door was closed. Yeah. You know? 
And I said, they said, boy, turn around. Let's see if you got any butt left after that chewing. I said, no, it, ain't, it, it was ugly, guys, and I just left. Yeah. You don't want to know about it. I go into my office. I go to my humidor. I grab a cigar. Yeah, hey, give yourself there a cigar, is. Chief. Yeah, so I, boy. I get the cigar. It's uh, I'm office on the fifth floor. I don't. I can't even wait for the elevator. I got to get this cigar. <laughs> Hell yeah. So I dash down the steps, right? I run outside the back door. I light this cigar up. If the cops would have come walking by, they would have thought I had a blunt. <laughs> Just one long drag on this cigar. The ash was about this long on that thing, you know? So I'm thinking... What did I just do? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still sweating. I'm like, I'm scared to death. Oh, man. So uh, I call up my girlfriend, my wife. She's my girlfriend at the time. And I had dragged her from Alapitha up there with me. Yeah. So I call her up because I'm this guy. Yeah. And she says, hello. I said, hi. She says, what's up? I said, uh, I lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> Dead air for like 30 <laughs> seconds. Just dead air, right? And she, next thing she says, are you okay? And I'm like, whoa. Okay, yeah, I have right. to keep this one. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Am I okay? Because I'm waiting on you. You know, yeah, but you yeah, 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 yeah. All that. And I said, yeah, I'm fine. And she goes, what happened? I said, I got promoted. Dead air for like 15 seconds. And she goes, promoted to what? <laughs> I said, fire chief. Dead air for like 10 <laughs> seconds. She goes, you're an asshole. And like, <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to beep Perfect. that out? No, no, <laughs> no, no. we keep it. We'll keep it. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And so that that's, yeah. yeah. Perfect response. Oh, that right, was it, right. though. So I was, uh, I've been there. Uh, going on 17 years now, and wow. the I, I'm the second longest tenured fire chief in the country behind wow. Chief Hood in San Antonio, as far as metropolitan chiefs go. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he has me beat by a month or so, and at least that's what he tells me, and he never <laughs> forget about it. Uh, that I'm junior to him. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. But uh, that the average life expectancy or tenure of a metro chief is five years. Okay. And so I guess I'm on borrowed time. Yeah. Must be doing just, something, right? Must be yeah, doing just, something just right praying. Now. That's what I'm yeah. doing. Can you describe what the what the metropolitan, what a metropolitan she would have Yeah, so a metro department uh, is a, a segment of the International Association of Fire Chiefs. It's called the Metropolitan Chiefs. And I believe you have to have uh, 250 uniformed personnel. To be considered in okay. a, as a metro chief, okay. I believe that's what it stands. You okay. said Pittsburgh so about seven eighty, about seven hundred. Okay, yeah. Wow. So, how many positions with the Pittsburgh Fire Department are promoted externally? You know, in turn, you said you apply for an assistant chief. Just me and uh, assistant chiefs. Okay. And I, I have two assistant chiefs now. Uh, both of all three of us are external. What are, okay. what are and what are their responsibilities? Uh, one is uh, operations, and the other one is okay. community risk okay. reduction. Okay. And so under community risk reduction, the one that I used to have is uh, hazardous materials, uh, uh, code enforcement, fire investigation unit, and uh, ops has uh, oh a station facilities are under the uh, the uh, risk reduction. 
and ops that takes care of the training and the rigs and uh, things like that. And do they have any eight to five personnel that work with them, captains or? Uh, we have a my I have a battalion chief in charge of hazardous materials. He's not administrative. He's in the union, mm. but his his uh, uh, schedule is eight to five. I have a communications captain, the same thing, mm -hmm. and the other one that's administrative in my office that's as a uh, community risk reduction specialist. Her name's Lisa Epps. She's the only African American female firefighter I have. Uh, and uh, I also have a sub. Well, he's he's not in the union. He does wear a, a uniform, but I, we call him a civilian mm. deputy fire marshal who mm -hmm. does okay. the code enforcement. Okay. So, so by uh, fact that I am the fire chief, I'm also the fire marshal, and okay. so I'm the code yeah. official. But this guy is uh, my deputy. Gotcha. So the, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. The whole time we were taking the class, you can uh, tell your vast knowledge of. Code and like code, building code, all that, and your passion for it too. Yeah. I can tell I, that. Well, during, I try to because it's very, it, it gets us killed. We were talking about yeah. uh, building construction and stuff in class, and I was telling people how I don't like podium construction. And there's been pretty examples. We showed a, was was that Iowa City, yeah. Yeah. you know, from a two fire 2019, I guess, yeah. downtown. I think went they up had quick. that two. Uh, Two floors were type one construction and then wood frame on top of it. Mm -hmm. Well, that type one is considered to be the podium. Yeah. And then you throw the, the wood frame wood on, top on top of, of that. Burns to beat the band when it's under construction. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, how, how many battalion chiefs? I have uh, a total of 16. So I have four battalions and I have four crews or four lines. Gotcha. So I have uh, those 16 actually. I have 18. I have one battalion chief that takes care of the training academy and a battalion chief that's in charge of uh, hazardous materials. And you said it's 24 on, 72 off. 24 on, 72 off. Four platoons, right? Yeah, four platoons. And you guys run the EMS for Pittsburgh as well? We do not. Okay. We do run EMS, but EMS is a separate service in Pittsburgh. Okay. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. Okay. <laughs> because most people don't know where EMS started. Everybody thinks it started with Gage and DeSoto on Squad 51, right. and that's not true. Uh, Miami is trying to make an argument that it started with them. I disagree. Uh, EMS, as we know it today, started in the city of Pittsburgh. And you can Google Freedom House in Pittsburgh and see the whole history. Okay. In addition to that, there is a book out there called American Sirens, uh, and it tells the story. I highly suggest you read it. Let me give you the short version. Okay. Uh, there were two doctors in the late 60s, uh, 66, 67, arguing about CPR. The one doctor was saying, hey, CPR saved lives. Only a doctor can save a life. So only a doctor should be allowed to do CPR. And the second doctor was like, no, I could teach anybody to do CPR. And so they had this bet. Well, the doctor who said he could teach anybody was uh, connected politically and socially and economically, and so he went to Freedom House. Freedom House was a program in the Hill District, which is a minority section of the city, neighborhood in the city, and their job was to train African Americans at that time to be truck drivers. 
they were going to deliver produce and goods from the city's warehouse district to stores and other retailers out in the city. This doctor goes in there and says, no, that's not what you're going to do. I'm going to teach you how to be paramedics. And so he trained them. He got them ambulances. He started third-party building with them. If you look at some of the pictures, wow. you see these guys no working kidding. the street wearing all white. You know, the old doctor yeah. Gilder oh, yeah. stuff yep. like yep. that. <laughs> Yep. I can't keep a white shirt clean, pass a <laughs> cup of coffee every morning, let alone yep. trying to work EMS in the street. Yeah. So they pit the street. The problem was they were only allowed to respond in the black neighborhoods. Mm. Everybody else in the city had the police. The police would pull up in a paddy wagon. Two cops would get out there, throw you in the back of the paddy wagon. Two cops set up front, drove like hell to the mm. hospital. Up until... A kid got hit by a car in Squirrel Hill, which is the most affluent neighborhood in the city. And the police roll up and said, uh, no, we're not touching this one. You better get Freedom House out here. Freedom House shows up, treats the kid, transport. Now all the rich people are saying, we want that Freedom House. We What's need, up? Yeah, we need something like that out here. Yeah. So the city ends up taking it over. And they approached the fire bureau first and said, hey, we want you to do this. Well, lack of vision back then. In the early 70s, they said, no, we're not doing it. And so they started an EMS bureau. And right now, hindsight being 2020, if you ask any one of our firefighters if they want to do that, they'll say yes. They would you know, They would jump at the opportunity to absorb that and be sure. part of their, their role now. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's similar to the way we operate. Well, they'll send a company to all EMS calls and then an ambulance as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how many how many calls does Pittsburgh run in a year? Uh, a little around 40,000, and about 80% of those are EMS-based mm-hmm. calls in some way, form, or fashion. Yeah, just about, my math here, about 5,000 fires? Uh, maybe 5,000 fire, calls. calls that aren't. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah, so we got it. I'm thinking that the uh, – I'm saying that – probably less than 800 are structural fires that we have to drop a a supply line for. Okay. Sure. Definitely less than 1,000 we drop a supply line for. That's pretty good. Now, um, was there a point, I say you took over in 07, but like the prevention where that number dropped off off any significantly during your time as chief? Uh, We're trying to keep it lower. Uh, um, One of the things that I am taking some pride in is – that I am seeing some change in the culture in the fire bureau, and I would like to think that I had a part of that. No, oh, I'm sure you did. Like You've more, been more there 17. More passion and responsibility for the prevention stuff. Is that what and, you're saying? For, and for taking care of themselves as well. Okay. Sure. I had guys get hurt uh, or, or hear mayday calls for buildings, structural fires. They're making interior attacks on these buildings. It's like the third or fourth time the thing's been on fire. Yeah. Now, why are you doing this, mm-hmm. you know? And when I first pushed that out, that we're not doing that, and then, well, he won't let us fight fire. He don't understand. This is the way we do it in Pittsburgh. He never fought any fire. I mean, I heard it all, you oh, know? Sure. sure. And I was like, no, you're going to fight it, but you're going to be smart about it, you know? And, well, how's these guys supposed to get their experience if you don't do it in these tight buildings. Believe me, there's going to be plenty of experience coming. We're not killing anybody in these buildings. So now it's to a point where I think they get that. You know? mm-hmm. uh, one of my first signs that they got it 
uh, or it was starting to catch on. Uh, I was on the job there maybe two years. It was Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, a lady gets off the bus, catty corner from one of my stations, steps off the bus in the middle of a firefight, takes a round to the neck and goes down. My guys in the station sees this, grab the medical bags and stuff, and right in the middle of this firefight goes out there and saves this lady's life. Uh, she eventually died like two months later. Mm -hmm. um, but they were the news wanted to interview him. I said, yeah, go ahead, interview him. And they asked, the, he was a lieutenant, he's a captain now, they asked the lieutenant, says, why would you do that? And he says, we'll risk a lot to save a lot. I says, somebody starting to get it yeah mm -hmm. starting to get it so, so you're saying you know these these abandoned structures that have been burned that burned up three four times let's quit quit doing stupid things to, mm -hmm. there's not a building there's them. not ever a building that's worth anybody's life you know no, so not, what would happen is uh, we have to take defensive approach mm -hmm. you know there's nothing no, well and and the pushback is how do you know it's empty i don't but if it's rolling there's no way anybody that's not dressed like us mm -hmm. yeah. is going to survive. The best you're going to do is you got to just right. you got to get better at doing risk assessments, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and training and being all realist, that, right? Being realistic and attainability of the and, structure, and, well, and everything else. You know, you could have you could have gotten that person. I, and how many fires have people, our firefighters, died in going in looking for somebody, the homeless or somebody like that? And those people had left the building. They're outside across the street. Well, you look at Wooster Mass was probably the That's most the most famous it's one. Funny because that, I that got brought up in class. Too, yeah, three thousand so. degrees. If you've ever if you've never read that book, that is a fantastic book. And actually, I I refer that back to like what it made because uh, you know when I came when I came to job I moved from northern Minnesota, moved six hundred miles from from home to Sioux City, Iowa, but. You know, living up north, and and you know, it was all about East Coast, FDNY, Chicago, like mm -hmm. big city firefighting. That was firefighting to me. Three thousand degrees, East Coast department, but it was a small department. You know, Worcester, Mass, small department. So it, it, that book made firefighting, like even the things that you're saying, right? The the job is the same. The structure, you know, you're you're a bigger department, but that you're talking about the exact same things that we talk about here all the time. So it it doesn't matter if we're smoothbore east coast or, or salty. We're just a salt we're Midwest salty here, right? <laughs> um but you know, but but that uh that Worcester Mass fire that, you know, they lost six guys because, you know, like you said, they went in looking for a couple of homeless people that had we're left gone. a long time ago. And you know, you know I talk about some tough hard leadership. Yeah. How hard was it for that chief to stand in the stairwell and say no more? No more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really we had the the KD fire, you know, where we had. I mean, you could have we we had some. I, I guess you could call near misses, but you know, the KD station, the old packing house. But the same thing, insulated walls and stuff. We had to fire there. Some mm -hmm. kids got in there in the bowling alley, started firing. Um, there was guys that got lost, disoriented. Um, I think it was uh, Captain Wayne. I think DJ fell through the what he thought he was the, thought he was falling through the floor, ended up being the bowling alley and f falling down. But they had guys. I mean. Um, some guys, it could have been bad, you know, same, but again, trying to put the fire out, trying to find it, trying to find people, you know, I mean, I think we've, we, we, we do a good job. I think in Sioux city now of, of really assessing those things and be like, you know what, yeah, we're just, let's, you know, why, why, you know, cause yeah. if we, if we know there's nobody in there, things are getting hairy. There's not a building that's worth somebody's life. There I really agree. isn't, you know, I agree. So stuff, chief, stuff can be replaced. Right? Yeah. Chief, you kind of started talking about what are, what are some of the other biggest changes you've seen? since you've been chief with Pittsburgh? 
<laughs> or things you're happy to see change? Uh, training. Okay. Uh, Pittsburgh was the, the culture was, hey, we're Pittsburgh. We're the big boys on the block. We do it our way. And uh, I was like, uh, no, we didn't invent fire. New York City Oh, did. yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> so we, we need to train on some of these things. And I started noticing some of the things, and I started punching holes in it. says, well, the rest of the world is doing this, guys. Maybe you ought to start. So I started noticing my guys coming up saying, hey, I want to take this training. It's outside of our academy. Okay, but I need this day off. Can you give me this day off? Yep. I give you approved leave if you wanted to take some training. You know, I think the only training somebody requested that I denied was somebody wanted to do wildland firefighting because he had a brush fire. And like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah, one, right? yeah. wildland firefighting. So uh, a lot of my guys are seeing that uh, – Transitioning from a fire suppression only unit to an all hazards unit, mm -hmm. and uh, Pittsburgh is local number one of the IAFF. Yeah, that's right. And when I first came, became chief, I met with the president then, and the first thing out of his mouth was, "What's the plan?" I said, "Well, the plan is to uh, become an all hazards department." He's like, "Well, what does that mean?" I said, "Well, what it means is." If um, from you know somebody's beating the crap out of you, you need a cop, call a cop. I said, but if for everything else from Al Qaeda setting off a WMD at the point, which is where the confluence of the rivers are, mm -hmm. to Grandma being locked out of her house, that's ours. Mm -hmm. We handle all that. Yeah. We want all that. And he, I don't know, you know, he just grumbled at me, and uh, so I kept preaching it. And then uh, I had one of the council members come up to me and says, Chief, you're an $80 million hole in our budget. Why is that? And I said, well, that's because you're getting the Mercedes Benz and not a Yugo, right? Mm. And this councilman goes, that smells like some home cooking to me. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I meet with the union. I tell them about this encounter. I said, they're going to start coming after our money. We have to start doing something and show that we're worth it. And they said, well, what's that about? I said, well, I got two ideas. I said, one, we become uh, ISO. That way we get a class one rating. Nobody can say that it's me home cooking. They don't have a dog in the fight. Mm -hmm. It's them, it's a third party saying that. I said, in order to do that, we have to become a certified service. So they did, you know, him and Han over time, the union puts together a Fire Ops 101 program. You guys ever do that? Yep, yeah, we've had the Fire Ops 101 a couple yeah. times here. Yep. So we have the news media there, community leaders, <clears throat> excuse me, political leaders. They're all there, and at the end of the day, after they get their butts kicked, dragging holes and fighting fires and everything, the uh, vice president of the union is addressing them all as they're sitting on the bleachers at the training academy. And he says, ladies and gentlemen, the Pittsburgh Bureau of Fire is transitioning to an all-hazards department. I run behind the bleachers where nobody can see me, start doing my happy dance. Right. I got you. Yeah. Right? Yep. You just said it publicly. 
So that was on a Saturday, that Monday morning. I'm calling him up. Dude, I heard you say it. You know, he, <laughs> he says, I'll be down. We'll talk. He says, so what do you, what, how are we going to do this? And we worked together a plan. And right now, uh, I believe that we were the first uh, metro department to reach back and pull everybody up to firefighter two as a minimum. Wow. Wow. Most departments are waiting to do it by attrition. Mm -hmm. We reached back and pulled everybody up, albeit some of them kicking and screaming. Yeah, I bet you. Know? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I've been on a job for 30 years. I'm not certified yet. Yeah, no, you're not. You know, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. I got to show you that I can hit a hydrant. <laughs> yes, hit the hydrant. Show them that you can hit the hydrant, that stuff like that. And we are now a ISO class one. Very good, department. Chief. So, yeah, those, those things I'm proud of. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. That's kind of you're talking kinda, that big. That's a lot of buy-in. That's yeah, a lot of trust. Like, well, that's a lot of there. I could not do it without the union. All right, mm, and yeah. uh, they have almost all of management's rights tied up in their collective bargaining agreement. And either I get along with them and mm -hmm. work with them, or nothing happens. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people. Yeah, you're, you're, he, he's going to bust the union. Anybody that comes into Pittsburgh thinking that's going to happen, good luck. Mm -hmm. right. So Open I could one. sit there and yeah. fight with them all day, in which case nothing gets done, or we can cooperate and get things done. And that's sure. what we've been doing. Yeah. I, that's that, see, I tell you, you know, that all hazards, when you use that all hazards term and stuff, and that's, I mean, and that's where Chief Everett, I mean, that was when I started on the fire department in 02, we were still Sioux City Fire Department. And when Chief Everett came, he changed the nomenclature, changed it to Sioux City Fire Rescue. And it was and that's because we are. We're an all hazards, mm -hmm. you know, and that's it was his approach too and stuff is that all hazards thing. Because I think, you know, a department this size, you're you know, department's a little bit bigger, but um you look at departments like I think gone are the days of like I said, firefighters just doing just just fire anymore yeah, you know no and you fires. have to you know you have <laughs> to you have that to and, yeah. and and that's a good thing though right yeah, because that's and that's because of product uh you know prevention um that's fire inspection so that's mm -hmm. i guess another question because you um do you guys do your guys out in the firehouses do the crews and stuff do fire and commercial fire inspections or is that all an inspection bureau so uh i only have one fire inspector for the whole city wow yeah that the we're not going to go there. Okay. Right? okay. So we don't, we don't have enough time, time for no. that, dude. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, you guys will make me have to get drunk just to <laughs> go to sleep. But uh, he's my deputy fire marshal. And some of my buildings, like USX Tower, is 60-some-odd stories. Oh, There's no yeah. way one guy's going to inspect that. You'd right. be there the whole year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I would send out a first alarm assignment with him. They would do the inspection for the processes and all that and what's going on, making sure there's no serious immediate risk. And mm -hmm. he would keep the paperwork and make sure fill out the report and stuff. Sure. So, yeah. But typically, uh, we go out and he will go out and I'll send help if he needs it for uh, our high-risk schools. Mm -hmm. Residential high rises, I concentrate on those for the most part. Yeah, uh, I'm working on a self inspection program for our low risk occupancies, the dentist's office, Aunt Betty's hat shop, sure, uh, mm -hmm. the lawyer's office. Yeah, you know, they the, and the way I'm the way I envision it, uh, they will complete a form that's online. We will spot check them 
mm-hmm. make sure they're not BSing us, keeping them honest. Yeah. And every third year, they will get a live inspection. Yeah, right, inspection. That, sure. But, yeah. Uh, I'm not there yet. That's one of the things that I'm working on. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, from all your time in the fire service, any, well, let's talk about some memorable calls that stick out. Um, trying to, you know, we, sometimes you ask this question, I like to think like some serious calls, maybe some funny calls, um, maybe some that really impacted your career. Well, I told you about the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that impacted me in so many different ways because, uh, being a rookie firefighter and the media got a hold of that and made me seem like I was some kind of hero and I was having a serious guilt problem uh, because I did, wasn't successful in my rescue. But they made it look like I was just some badass firefighter young kid that you know, the best thing that ever happened to firefighting. Uh, I wrestled with this uh, years later. I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress from this particular incident. And I mean, a lot of years later, uh, I did seek counseling. Uh, I had two counselors, Jack Daniels and Jim Bean. Yeah, yeah. And they were good listeners. (laughs) And they stopped the pain for a little while, you know? And my dad, being the guy that he was, just noticed something about me and he says uh come here uh let's go in the basement we need to talk so when we were kids and he say come on let's go in the basement we need to talk that means there's an asking yeah right? yep yep so now i'm like i don't know what you think gonna happen down here but this is not gonna go well for you not anymore you know? yeah. and he took me to, and he's like what the hell is going on with you and I just unloaded about mm. everything. I had relationship problems. I best friend ended up going to jail for murder. Another best friend's father died. It was just all coming up. And he's, son, this is what you're doing isn't the way to do it, you know. And I was mad at the world. Mm. And like I said, those father son conversations. Mm. And I got out of that. And uh all the other things that I, I just remember him saying to me, you don't understand how this works? And I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? He says, look, you're a black man in America. Everything you do, you're going to have to work twice as hard to get half as much. He says, and whatever you get, someone's going to try to destroy it or steal it or devalue it. He says, those are the rules. Now, you either play to win or you roll over and die. And I want to know your answer right now. Okay, let's play to win. He said, all right, now, you don't like kids dying in fires? No. What you going to do about it? And so that that's that's one of the things that got me started going in that direction. Uh, other memorable calls, uh, I told the guys about my uh, snake bite call today. <laughs> Uh, I hate snakes, man. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan. Either. <laughs> uh, well, you met the people that like them. The uh, different. Right? We get. Yeah. I'm working in Aliquippa. Get toned out in the middle of the night for a lady bitten by a snake. Uh, and I'm thinking that the lady got found a black snake in her house and tried to grab it and it bit her on the hand. And we pull up and it wasn't a house. It was a big house that had been turned into apartments. And she's up on the top apartment on the third floor. And me and my partner lugging up the medical gear all the way up there, and here's this beautiful 
girl in her early 20s built like the rock of Gibraltar. I mean, she was stacked <laughs> up, right? Yeah. Wearing nothing but a T-shirt. I mean, nothing but a T-shirt. And I'm looking at her hands and arms. I'm saying, were you the one bitten by the snake? And she goes, yeah. And she turns around and pulls up her T-shirt. And on her right butt cheek is this scratch, maybe about a half inch, with capillary bleeding. So being the trained medical professional that I am, <laughs> I was going to hold direct pressure on that boy. Yeah. But I didn't. I gave her some gauze, a four by four, and my partners start taking the information for her because, you know, EMS is coming. Yeah. <clears throat> We're going to get this information. I'm expecting it to be a cancellation, right? You kidding me? Yeah. So just then the boyfriend comes busting out the back room and he's animated and screaming and going crazy and telling me she has to go to the city. She has to go to the city. And I'm like, she's not going to the city. You know, dude, you got to call a helicopter. I'm not calling a helicopter. It's no. a scratch. Yeah, it's, yeah. And he's like, you don't understand. And he's getting even more animated. So I'm like, okay, okay, calm down. Tell me what I don't understand. Yeah, what kind of snake was it? And he goes, you don't understand. This was a king cobra bite. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. I got two questions. Where's, First question. Yeah, where's the snake? Where's the yeah, snake? Where's the snake? Yeah. Where's the snake? Yeah, I'm like, and if he would have said, that on my way out he would say, I don't know, we were going to have a problem. <laughs> right? We were going to be moving some furniture <laughs> on our way to create an exit. Yep. Yeah, right? exactly. So yeah. the snake was in a pen in the back. Then the second question was WTF. Yeah. Right? Why would you have one of these things? Where did you get it from? You don't go to PetSmart. And get <laughs> Can I get a cooking coke, yeah. please? And how to, and how to bite her? Huh? I said, and how to how to okay. get out to so bite that her? That was too. the next thing. Yeah. Remember, beautiful girl, right. middle of the night. Yeah, wearing just they a decide t-shirt. It's time to clean out the snake cage. Oh, because that's what you do at that, you know, middle of the night. Hey, I'm just saying with yeah. the, uh, nothing you, but you the were facts, say sir. A time and you were probably gonna be right on the money. No, nothing but the facts, sir. That's yeah. all I can yeah. tell you, right? <laughs> so they moved the snake out of its container into another container. This container had a like a chicken wire mesh when she turned around it struck oh, yeah. and just one fang scratched her oh but she ended up going into respiratory arrest wow because the medics show up i told them the story they were like she's not going to the city transfer care sign here they did we're on our way back i'm listening on the radio they're calling for a helicopter so we had to turn around Go set up wow. LC at the hospital wow. for the helicopter wow. because she went into respiratory arrest. Next day, I'm up there telling him and his snakes got to go because he had four snakes. He had the, the king cobra. He had a copperhead. You can get those in Western PA. You can get a rattlesnake in Western PA. And he had a puff adder. A puff adder is like a fat yeah. uh, rattlesnake without the rattle. And they were in Africa, so I don't know where he got yeah. that either. But he was milking them for the venom and selling the venom. And selling the venom. And uh, probably the, the, the biggest call that I've had, oh, I don't know. Well, I'm going to, like, just all, like, hearing that story now the rest of the night, I'm just going to be, like, any little creepy thing in my neck. Sorry Like, I... Uh, I uh, was a captain <laughs> when U.S. Air 427 crashed. That's, okay, I have okay. that written down here. I'm yeah, I would, that was one of my calls. Um, I was incident command for the Tree of Life shooting in Pittsburgh mm -hmm. for the first four hours of that incident. Uh, that was horrific. 
you know, and yeah. uh, what do I know about uh, taking out bad guys? Yeah, I'm a I'm a Marine. I can shoot, but mm -hmm. you know that was way outside my element. Yeah. So people, are like, well, what did you do? I said, well, because I first, I, I my family and I were with the at the Union Hall because they were doing coats for kids. That was a that's a big thing mm -hmm. that our union does, and my family loves participating in that. And I get the phone call from my deputy chief who runs the crew, that runs the line, and says, hey, we got an active shooter. I says, all right. Now, I knew my boss was out of town for the weekend. So I get on the phone. I find somebody to take my family home when they're done. I jump on the, in the buggy. I get on the phone. I call my boss to see if he knows what's going on. He says, yeah, I, I heard him four hours out. I said, okay, I'll be there in a minute. So I get there. I jump out of the buggy and another guy that worked for public safety he was our technical tech specialist comes up he says uh Wendell's out of town I said yeah I just got off the phone with him Wendell Hesrick he was the public safety director he says Linda's out of town too that was his deputy she's supposed to be in town I said what do you mean she's out of town she's eight hours out I said how did she go out of town when Wendell's out of town lack of communication they got mixed up they didn't know the other one was going out of town just then I turn around and maybe about 15 feet away from me was the mayor, his chief of staff, and his director of operations. You're the man. And they're all looking at me with the baby Yoda look, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> do something. What do we do? Yeah. So I look at him, I said, oh, crap. I said, all right. I said, uh, Wendell's on his way. I'm acting public safety director. I'll assume command. And oh, thank you, chief, thank you. So I'm walking down, I get on the radio, right? Mm -hmm. uh, dispatch official four is on scene official four is now uh, tree of life command and as I'm walking down to get into the staging area and everything I hear the mayor calling my name hey chief hey chief I turn around and say yes sir when the police chief get here you let him take command let him take command <laughs> I'm sorry Mr. Mayor but I'm holding a grenade with the pin pulled yeah. when the police chief gets here He's getting this grenade yeah. down his pants, all right? <laughs> I'm, I'm out of this. Yeah. Uh, so I'm walking down there. One of the command staff from the police bureau gets upset, says, who do you think you are taking command here? I'm like, you want it? What do you mean? I said, here's the raid. You want it. You can have it. I said, but right now, if this thing's go candy wampus, I own it. It's mm -hmm. on me. If you want it, here it is. No, I'm good. Yeah, All right. That's what I thought. So now the yeah. second question, trying to be a smart ass, what you want to do? I said, I want you to do your job. You take out the bad guy. You tell me what you need. I'll handle everything from there. But you guys take out bad guys. Yeah. You need whatever you need. I'm going to make sure you get, you come to me to get. But my job is to stay out of the way and let you do yours. And you oh, okay. Yeah. And it worked out fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Worked out fine. Uh, last year we had a bridge collapse, and I was in command of that. So I've had my fair share of uh, everything from black swans to gray rhinos <laughs> to deal with. So, yeah. so it's uh, a pretty big incident to get you out of the office and in command. Yes. Yeah, I usually I will respond to any fatal fire okay. or anything uh, three alarms or higher, but I only take command – if it's something that's probably going to be uh, a little touchy, you mm -hmm. know, or something, sure. or, or I won't put my 
deputy chiefs at risk on that or my assistant chiefs. I put that on me. Gotcha. And usually you have, you know, those largest use of operations, your, your battalion chiefs and district chiefs right. running operations. Yeah, they've been You're, fighting fires long before I got exactly. there. They'll be yep. fighting them long after I'm gone. Sure. Do so you guys, is it like a, a box alarm kind of thing? Or what do you got? What's like, what's your typical, I guess I shouldn't say typical, but what's like a, a working working structure? So we, we have two uh, dispatch channels. We have what we call a fire one dispatch. And that is alarm activation, smells and bells, our medical calls are run off of that. If someone calls 911, says they see smoke, they smell something burning, or they see flames, that's a fire two dispatch. Uh, the difference on the run card between the two is a fire two dispatch will get an extra truck. Okay, so typically uh, we'll have four engines and two trucks running on a structural call. A MAC unit, a safety chief, a battalion chief, and a RIT team. And a RIT team's one of your, one of your an engine, engine companies? Is an okay. engine. So we were about five so about engines. Five engines. Yeah. Yeah. And then two for trucks. and two trucks, five engines, two trucks. And then plus the, so a MAC personnel. unit would be your mobile Security. air, right? Yeah. Mobile air. Mobile plus air. A, plus, a, plus a battalion. For and safety. A and a safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I mean, when you got the you got the personnel and stuff, yeah, you know, to throw it at the so we, we try to base do, uh, that off of NFPA seventeen ten mm -hmm. and how they rate hazards. Yeah. So they said a light hazard is a single family dwelling, no more than two thousand square feet, no basement, no exposures. I don't have any of them. Yeah. And <laughs> we'd be hard pressed to have any of them. Too, so right? it's yeah. automatically goes to medium hazard. Yep. Now, on a light hazard, they're saying that you need 16, 17 firefighters on the first alarm. Wow. I don't have – I have a medium hazard. Yeah. So I need 27, 28 on that first alarm. Right. So I throw an extra truck on there to yeah. give me that. So you guys – four-person engine crews? Yes. And – Four-man four uh, minimum staffing. Minimum. Yeah. And how about the trucks? Four. Four minimum. Yeah. Do you have any trucks where you can run five or six? Uh yeah, there's jump seats and stuff we yeah. could, but yeah, we but don't. don't. Uh, yep. Dedicated yep. rescue companies. That is under EMS. Okay. Yeah. Although we do have rescue equipment, we also contract fire suppression to some small communities around us, and we do provide vehicle rescue to those communities. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you break up your specialties? Uh, tech rescue. So all that falls technically under EMS. However, uh. Uh, hazardous materials is a combined service between police, fire, and EMS. I am the hazmat chief for the city, but we have those three uh, organizations. And Swift Water is a uh, police fire, well, police's Swift Water team is kind of defunct right now, but fire and EMS, we both have Swift Water teams. So, gotcha. And we, we split that up. But uh, technical rescue, like trench rescue, high angle rescue, that kind of stuff, that's all EMS. Hmm. So when you say EMS, what, what does that mean? That's a, they're a separate bureau. Oh, okay. And they run yeah. all that. Yeah, they In run all that. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, so what's next for the Pittsburgh Fire Department, as well as you being chief? Uh, I think that what's next for the Pittsburgh Fire Department is to become a more diverse fire department right now out of the 700 people i have five women only one of those women are african-american mm -hmm. that to me is an embarrassment 
So we did a barrier study to see why we couldn't get women on the job, and we found three main things. One was the residency requirement. Pittsburgh used to have a residency requirement. You had to be a resident of the city for one year before you can even apply. Huh. That's a non-starter. That's, yeah. That's nobody's moving That's right. to the city. Right. Uh, to make it flipping burgers yeah. before you can before, before you can, can even test yeah. for the fire department. No, that's yeah. not gonna happen. Nah. The second thing we found was the physical agility test was not conducive to women. It was a homemade test. In the test, you would have to wear do all the events in your SCBA. SCBA is meant to be worn over a turnout coat, right? Now, unless you really got some really weird. Fifty Shades of Grey action going on. <laughs> You're not a firefighter. You don't have a SCBA and turnout code in your closet, right? right? So uh, we're moving toward the CPAC there you go. to take care okay. of that. Yep. The last thing was <clears throat> it was determined there's a lack of knowledge out there about how good of a job the fire bureau is, mm -hmm. especially amongst women. So we started a girls' camp. Oh, uh, sure. This past summer was the second year that we did it. And last year was the first year, and uh, one of the local TV stations, NBC affiliate, covered it. And the next thing I know, I get an email from the crew of Chicago Fire, a little 14-second video saying, Pittsburgh, you rock with your girls' camp. I showed that to the girls, and they were like, wow. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're at now. The thing is, I'm still working off of a current list. None of these things have been implemented to set up for a test yet. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if these are going to work or not. But that's that's one of the things I want to say. How does your yeah. testing and hiring process work? Uh, silver service. And in silver service in Pennsylvania, you don't need any experience, previous experience to get a job. That was the whole purpose of silver mm -hmm. service. So you are 18 years or older, uh, high school diploma or GED, uh, no criminal background. Mm -hmm. no. Uh, you take the written exam. You score high enough on the written exam. Then you take the physical agility. You score on the physical agility. You pass. Then if you're a veteran, you get 10 points. All right, that puts you on there. And however your final score is, you rate it on the list. If I need uh, 32 firefighters, I usually have recruit classes of 32. And the reason for 32 is because we work in multiples of four and four-man crews. Mm -hmm. So I always want a, mm -hmm. a crew, uh, a multiple of four inside the recruit class. And that way we could break that down, and they work in teams of four all the way through their training, and they're used to it doing that. But we'll take about 50 applicants, send them a packet for background checks. You'll do a polygraph. And then I will review the, the files. If there's anything in there that's a red flag, I will disqualify you. And uh, you have the right to appeal my disqualification to the Civil Service Board where there's a public hearing on it. And I don't care. I have nothing, no dog in that fight. If the Civil Service Board says, yep, you get the job, it don't mean nothing to me. I tried. When something goes wrong and you're a problem employee, I don't tell everybody, why did you hire him? Go see the civil service board. Yeah. So that's then we, we put you on, you know, 
And once our academy is 32 weeks, wow. uh, you come out of there EMT basic, firefighter one, firefighter two, hazmat ops, swift water rescue, uh, rescue core, uh, vehicle extrication tech. I think that's about it. But anyway, that's what. That makes sense. And then, and then after weeks. that, you're right on, right on with the crew. And yeah, and you go to a station. I, uh, I fill in the vacancies we have on crews. It's according to the need of the bureau. However, uh, the people who score the highest is by rank score in the academy who gets first pick. Oh, so they're going to pick their spot. Yeah, I've for shown whatever's you the available. vacancies that's available. Wow. Yeah. You get to pick your spot based on your ranking. Wow. Yeah. Huh. That's pretty cool. So so a guy coming out of the academy then could essentially, can he get to a firehouse and then spend his whole career at the same firehouse? If you want. Wow. Cool. If you want. So uh, while they're in that academy, those 32 weeks, they also go through CrossFit, serious CrossFit program. Mm-hmm. So my recruits come out with graduates. They look like they were machined. Yeah, sure. Right? They're cut. Yeah, they, oh, they're ready to go. Here's the problem. They go to a house that's into physical fitness, they stay physically fit. Mm -hmm. They go to a house where the culture of that house is, we like the lazy boy, the recliner, they go off the cliff. Sure, sure. And my job is to try to tell them, look, you need to keep up with this. Yeah, Yeah. you can't train hard enough for a job that can kill you, right? Right. Wow. Yeah. So is there like, uh, so it's just as vacancies needed, right? So a guy could go to, let's say, out of Proby school, a guy wants to go to a truck because there's a vacancy there. He gets Get to go it. to a truck right yep. away. Yep. Man. Yeah. It's my dream. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So yeah, I'm already cool. living my dream. So you guys, uh, equipment, like, you know, again, people get East Coast, Midwest kind of thing, East Coast stuff. You guys do the leather helmets or uh, no? no? Yeah. The, <laughs> kind of went off. We on do this. do the uh, traditional style helmet yeah. there. Uh, uh, MSA helmet. Yeah. But it, uh, I, well, let me, let me correct myself i don't know if anybody's out there wearing a leather leather helmet or not but that's not what we issue right that's not what you issue and we were talking about that earlier because uh when i was in aliquippa i wore the european style helmet really oh yeah love that thing you like the european i did why it it was comfortable it was lightweight protects you (laughs) from the heat caps like why and it was uh whenever we were doing vehicle extrication you never saw a helmet sitting on top of the car Never had to take it off. Yeah. You know. Did they laugh at us? Oh yeah. yeah. The the nicest thing anybody said to me was called me was Trojan Man when I was wearing that helmet. But, uh, yeah, but it, it, it worked on. just. I know. I, I know. We we. I mean. If you think, I, I mean, we do no, laugh because uh, no, no, no. I'm just like we do laugh because yeah. we, we're used to the traditional style, or whatever. Okay. I mean, you can't say that the Europeans have actually been fighting fire for longer than we have, and it's a thing. So. I mean, I'm not saying that they figured something out. I'm just saying they do a lot of defensive firefighting over there. You know, they do a lot of research and all the tests and comparisons. It is far superior than what we use, and it's just a a artifact of our culture that we're just not going to let go of. No, no. And so because it looks way cooler when we got our helmets. Because MSA (laughs) now owns that company that makes those things. Yeah, they do. And they gave me one. 
and I was gonna wear it out on a car. No, <laughs> just to see what happens. Just to throw a hand grenade. Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, man, what do you think? This is what we're going to. Yeah. No. yeah. No, so <laughs> when I first got on the job in Pittsburgh, I first became chief. I'm on the elevator. These two big guys get on the elevator with me. And I mean, they were large. They were so large that they blocked the light on the elevator. <laughs> and you ever notice how uncomfortable it is when somebody stands on the elevator and faces you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody's yeah. supposed to be facing the door. These two guys are facing, facing me, you, yeah. right? And I'm like, this is not good. I'm yeah. not looking, liking this at all. And they look down at me, hey, chief, yes. I look and said, we're not wearing that bullshit helmet that you wore. <laughs> I said, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. The elevator door opened and I got off. <laughs> but yeah, so that, yeah. that's, you know, there might be somebody out there wearing it. But like I said, if New York City starts wearing it, MSA ain't going to be able to make enough of them because everybody's going to want to be like New York City. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I had a question back to your staffing. Um, you said four man engine companies, four man trucks, minimum staffing. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys do with sick leave vacation? That's all fit backfield with overtime. Oh wow! That's wow. why I'm the lowest paid guy in the in the city. Uh, yeah, that's the overtime is there. I've had a couple of my deputy chiefs make over three hundred thousand dollars. Good wow. lord, just filling out. So because you don't have you don't have like an unattached pool to send like. No, I don't have so, any spare people. Wow, so minimum man. staffing. So wow, guy calls bro. in sick. So because really? and because your minimum staffing's four, you don't run a three man for that day. Nope. You, no, it's overtime. required. The, the four man's required. required. Yeah. According to 17, so I, was, the I wanted to, yeah. and your uh, and your one on three off, one on and three off. Man, I'd be working all kinds of overtime. Yeah, and no, most yeah. of the old timers say, do, but the new yeah. guys they don't doing, want. Man, so you'd be doing. Give me that overtime. Two, two on, two off. Shippers like I'm going to Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm, I can't I'm, 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 like, pick bro. a job on a truck oh, right you'd away. Be doing two on, two off. Yeah, let's go to Pittsburgh. Yep. I got two tickets to Pittsburgh. They do it. That's what, and they that's what they want to do. I'm like, yeah. So there's two types of overtime, right? Mm. So by contract, we call this a callback and not a call out. A call out is automatic overtime. A callback by the current contract, the whoever is working it gets the master firefighter rate for that shift. So if it's a 24-hour shift, they will make a flat rate of about $800, $900. Okay. If they just do half that shift, they get half that. Okay. But then that counts towards their hours worked. And as you know, FLSA, we can only work 212 hours in a 20-day, 20 28-day cycle. So once they hit that 212, they get FLSA overtime. And FLSA overtime isn't 1.5 of your hourly rate. It's 1.5 of your compensation. Mm. So whatever your benefits are included in oh, that, your vacation yeah. is included, yeah. and it's also, so that's where the money comes in. Good man, guys, I'd be scraping that up. Yeah, any chance do. I got. Yeah, and Bailey would love that. Hey, man, <laughs> you can come visit. <laughs> no, that would yeah. pay the bills. She could, she could retire. Yeah. So living in Pittsburgh, you ever, you ever been up to Punxsutawney? Yeah. You you gone up. You, to see the ground dog or no, just, to, just, just to have some it? other things to do. There's yeah. some trainings us up there with uh, IUP camp, Punxsutawney campus was up there. Yeah, okay. yeah, 
Yeah, no, just kind of we, my wife, I, we had talked about going out there just as a bucket list thing, you know, just to just to do it once, just to say like we early, went there and yeah, did it. Yeah, that little town. I said like like two o'clock in the morning, you gotta get there, yeah, and just and sit that, and wait. Yeah. Hey, nothing I want to see at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. So, so no. you guys have local one in Pittsburgh, right? Was that stolen from Chicago? <laughs> There's three stories. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you them in the order of what the, uh, of course, local one guys in their history says that they were leaders, hard-nosed, hard, tough guys, and they were leaders, and so that's why they're number one. Hmm. The other story <laughs> that I'm more likely to believe is that it came down to a coin toss between Pittsburgh and Chicago and Pittsburgh won. <laughs> I'm more likely to Actually, believe that oh, one yeah, yeah. than yeah. the first one. Or the guy from Pittsburgh cut in line like right when everybody's the lining up, yeah? third one that I really think is really most accurate is that it was either a beer drinking contest or a fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That one makes of them sense. Two, and that's what happened. And that's what happened. Oh, it's definitely yeah, two no, or I'm not buying that. Yeah, we two were or three stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, maybe okay. the coin toss. Yeah. So I'm thinking more like a beer Beer drinking, oh, yeah. something, and well, a fight that came after it. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yep. well, because yeah, you look at well, us being local seven, you guys local one, so that means you know people from our department today. You know, we're all we're charter members of, of the IFF, so I mean that's kind of I mm -hmm. mean that's a pretty that's you know anytime you go to training is tough and you talk to somebody oh you know we're the low three ninety four four sixteen you know whatever even the two hundreds but all of a sudden you drop that like seven, seven. they're like where you are know? you from yeah or in the like <laughs> yeah wow. even in Aliquippa we were local eight oh two yeah all right and we were that close to Pittsburgh so yeah I can tell you that's yeah. awesome yeah so you got thirty five plus years in the fire service does that sound right yeah about thirty six thirty seven what uh what's your family look like what are your hobbies what do you do when you're not uh, chief of pittsburgh fire department so I, I have a wife and a son my son is uh 13 he'll be 14 on valentine's day wow. i started my family late uh my wife is 14 years my junior uh you cradle robber I, yes i am <laughs> i am not going to apologize <laughs> hey. okay and i definitely outkicked my coverage i'm not <laughs> we gonna all did i'm we not going to apologize for that either good work uh, so uh my wife's greek okay yeah so you know you ever see my big fat greek wedding yep mm -hmm. all right that's my wife's family <laughs> <laughs> right down to the spitting and the curses okay the only difference is my wife's family does not use Windex. They use benzoyl <laughs> peroxide. But other than that, that's her family. So, uh, I love them to death. They uh, adopted me and let me in. It's great. Hobbies, uh, I used to ride a motorcycle. Uh, I was a big bike rider, and that was something me and my wife would do. Uh, my son come along, we kind of like, yeah, we got some <laughs> greater responsibilities. And to be quite honest with you, I just got scared of getting hurt and sure. leaving him behind. So I still have the bike, but it is uh, in the garage. It's probably going to take Indiana Jones to dig it out. <laughs> uh, but I'll, the only reason I never get rid of it is because I know I'll never get another one. Uh, my hobby now is really reading. I love to read. And uh, I don't like read just to say that I got it done. I really take a deep dive into the books that I read. Uh, 
it's almost like I'm having a conversation with the author. So these are mostly nonfiction that I read. Uh, and you know, I take these detailed notes that on it and everything. And so I was doing that. Then I was surfing uh, YouTube and I come across this thing about note taking called the Zettelkasten. And if you get a chance, you can Google that too, where you take these notes on what you read, keep them on these index cards. And eh, so I do that when I'm reading because before I would keep everything in a notebook. So I got like 99 notebooks, right? <laughs> And I'm thinking, I did read that. Yeah. Which one of these notebooks? Did you read? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now this this helps me out a little bit better on that. But I enjoy reading. It helps me relax. I like cigars. Mm. Uh, I like bourbon. Nice. And uh, so every once in a while, me and some of my buddies to get together and smoke some cigars and solve all the world's problems. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, nobody listens to us, so the problems continue. That's if they only you just came to a firehouse, yeah, yeah, that for they can keep and we're giving them minutes. this for free. It's not yeah, like yeah. we're charging them. Exactly. For it, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. like jazz music. You know, mm. I like, and I like teaching. I really do. I love, I love teaching. I was gonna say I can tell that for sure, just from listening to you the last couple of days. But when did you really start like instructing or? So I actually started, I became a fire instructor for the state of Pennsylvania in 1995. Wow. So I, now I am an instructor emeritus for the, for the state, although I stay active, so sure. I keep my credentials and stuff up. I started teaching uh, college courses uh, 2010, maybe, and then I started teaching at the National Fire Academy in 2014. Wow. So. Yeah, Academy nice. Academy keeps you pretty busy. Uh, yeah, I enjoy going down there too. If you guys get a chance, I cannot stress this enough. You guys got to visit the National Fire Academy. Yeah, the instruction is great. The networking is even better. Okay, it's a beautiful campus, uh, historic campus. During the Gettysburg Battle, of Gettysburg soldiers were treated there for their injuries and stuff. It was a, it's an old Catholic university. Um, it's about 12 miles south of Gettysburg. So you want to run up there for a little bit and uh, do the historical walk through the battlefield. But the uh, campus is just fantastic. And I love going down there. It's quiet. Uh, I get recharged. And if my guys back at the office know I'm going down there, they're like, look, don't come back here with none of those big ideas making us have to go to work, okay? Just keep that stuff down there, so. Okay. Awesome. So you see, you know, I'm very passionate about leadership. Um, any advice you'd give to people wanting to be firefighters or you know, new firefighters? Yes. Uh, learn all that you can, okay? Because this one thing that nobody can take away from you, there's two things, actually, your education and your experience. They cannot take that from you. Uh, you should be able to keep an open mind and a growth mindset. It is my firm belief that the sentence that's killing the American fire service is, but we've always done it that way, or we've never done it this way before. And finally, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why are we doing this? It ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, the bucket brigade wasn't broke either but we found a better way, mm -hmm. right? And so you have to be, 
have a growth mindset. And I think that's the main thing that will lead to your success. Uh, mm. My family used to tell me, my family members used to tell us where uh, preparation meets opportunity, great things can happen. Well, opportunity is on a rail, it's fixed. You know, like me, if I want to catch a tr passenger train right now, I can't go outside and stand in the parking lot waiting sure. on one to come. Right. It's not going to come here. I got to get to the train station. Preparation gets you to the train station. So when the train comes, opportunity comes, you can get on it and great things will happen. Very good. I like yeah. that. Very good. What about any advice to your company officers, captains, lieutenants? Well, I tell all my company officers, and, and they are the most valuable asset that we have in the fire service they are the bridge between the fire department and the public the public rates this fire department based on the service that it gets the quality of the service it gets now i'm the face of the fire bureau in pittsburgh something goes wrong something's jacked up something's bad i'm on the news and people are i saw you on the news yeah it wasn't for nothing good right <laughs> uh but the company officer, you're the one that these people interact with on the first day, worst day, last day of their life. They dial 911, you are cordially invited to come and intervene in their circumstances. Those people want four road scholars getting off that rig. That's right every single time. That's what they expect. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tell everybody, look, you got to strive for perfection. And since we're not perfect, we're human, we'll never hit perfection. But we will hit excellence if we strive for perfection. Mm -hmm. And excellence will be good enough. So uh, company officers, hey, I need you guys. I need you guys to step up. I need you guys to be out there. I need you guys to be compassionate, respectful, professional, understanding that these people are not having a bad day, so they might start shouting and yelling at you. Don't take it personally. Do the best you can. Uh, I had a chance to have dinner many years ago when I first became chief of Pittsburgh with Gordon Graham. And, you know, he was funny as I don't know what, right? So it was a great dinner. And he says, well, before you became the chief, what did you do? I said, I was the assistant chief. What was your job? I said, I was in charge of community risk reduction. And he goes, huh, you want to be able to, to reduce risk to your organization? I said, yeah. He says, you need three things. I said, what's that? He said, first, you have to do what you say you're going to do. How many departments out there call themselves Acme Fire and Rescue, but they don't do rescue? Right. You know? Yeah. He says, you got to do what you say you're going to do. Second, you have to be very, very good at it. You have to do it well. And I think we all strive for that, right? He said, third, you have to use, leave these people some wow. And I said, what's that? He says, leave them a reason to say wow. And he used an example of a fire department in California that responded to a motor vehicle accident with entrapment. An elderly lady was coming back from groceries, got in an accident, got busted up real bad. They had to transport her to the hospital. Her groceries were wasted. 
when she got released to the hospital a couple weeks or weeks later and the fire department knew that she was getting released they all went grocery shopping and replaced her groceries was waiting for her at home when she came home from the hospital with all these groceries and the whole community was like wow wow yeah so my guys do leave some wow i get people coming up to me saying you know my son is special needs my kid is and your guys treat them so good no they found one kid uh autistic kid he was selling apple butter you know at a little had a little booth out selling apple butter my guys saw him they went there bought him out wow no uh one of my stations they know no kids don't have bicycles so they go and make these i call them frankenstein bikes but they're safe and everything and kid don't have a bike here here's a bike for you saying some wow you know uh so I, I'm pretty proud of the, the fact the coats for kids thing. Mm-hmm. Some of these kids never have mm-hmm. their own coat. It's either a hand-me-down or mm-hmm. something like that, and now they get a brand-new coat, you know. And so uh, my guys do some great stuff. They do some great things. I love to hear it. Chief, you've been just uh, so much knowledge here, so thank you for your time, first of all. Thanks for coming to Sioux City. Um, won't hold you much longer. You got to go eat. Something. Yeah, we you got, guys we got, got some steaks waiting yeah, on me over there. Steaks, steaks. I, I know uh, they're very particular and they're, they're looking uh, yeah, perfect. Timely so. down at. And I know they're going to get real bad if uh, we hold you any longer. Yeah, because so. I'm going to blame it on you. I don't have a rock. I know, and I can't. Exactly. <laughs> I got no excuse for that because I'm usually the one going, hey. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Dinner bells. Uh, it's 6.03. Dinner's yeah, yeah. at 6. What are we doing? All right. So, you guys got anything? No, I, I just, this has been, uh, yeah, I fantastic i mean chief i i can't tell you what you know how much we appreciate you you know coming and sitting spending and taking the time with us like again uh, for for us to this is kind of a, a basically a once in a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity for us to have somebody like like you uh on the show i think you know you've got the stories everything but it it's, it's still again the things that you're saying you know are the things that that we talk about here and i mean to bring you know east coast east coast midwest it doesn't matter like we're we're all brothers we're all in the fire service together we're all doing the same job we all like all you said, we all strive yeah we're all striving for the same thing you know and and when you're t- talking about you know excellent basically excellence being your responsibility stuff is things that we talk about even at at, at eights that it's um uh up around the station stuff but it's to to hear somebody else from outside the department still saying the same things you know that, mm-hmm. that it's it brings that that culture of the fire service and, and just it makes it feel like like a whole thing no matter where you are you know and um but yeah i appreciate your time i mean it's uh, uh fantastic you know oh, thank you very much you have you know? been more than hospitable for me here uh and i i want to tell everybody out there thank you for the wake up call when i'm staying at the warrior cuz every time you go by the warrior the air horns, <laughs> they're man. giving yeah. the air horn to them. Uh, there's no, way, there's no the... traffic out here yep. in sioux city right. at 0400 in the morning <laughs> no, exactly. so i guess they wanted to know to showing me some love and yeah. i appreciate oh, it i love it you know but i'm like my cousin vinny i sleep very well <laughs> yeah. stuff, so uh, I love yeah. it. All but right. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Chief. Ryan, go ahead and drop tones.